Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, Adam Peters press conference today, 2 p.m. You this is of course Tuesday. It's a podcast. Maybe you're listening on Wednesday, in which case it was yesterday. But Tuesday at 2 p.m., uh, you can listen to it live on the Team 980. Logan, that leads us then to Adam Peters' next task, which is finding a head coach. And a lot of the candidates were playing this weekend or coaching this weekend, I should say. So let's go through the playoff games and let's take a look at a couple things. How these teams were built and if there's any of the coaching candidates uh, that we need to talk about, let's talk about them. And the first game of the weekend is someone that I think we need to talk about. Bobby Slowick is the Mm. offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans who thrashed the Browns 45 to 14. That was, whew. And I know that there's a, a pick six or there was a two pick sixes two, in this game, I think. Sixes, yeah, yeah, so it's not like the offense went out and put up 45. Um, but still, they went out and put up a lot. They still went out and put up 31 against the defense that was supposedly the best in the NFL. And I was so impressed with what they do schematically. Like, mm. they're, how they run it, how they then leverage their play-action fakes. Like, they do it right. And, you know, obviously, Slowick is part of that 2013 Washington staff. And it was really interesting Friday on the radio. I had Nick Wagner on, the ESPN uh, San Francisco 49ers reporter, and listening to him talk about Slowick and covering him sounded like what I used to tell people about Sean McVay back in 2015, mm. 2016. I think Slowick's the real deal. Um, you you played for him, so you yeah. can, you obviously know more than me. But watching what he's done with C.J. Stroud and, and this offense and hearing kind of how he is, I think he should be a real contender to be in the mix here with Ben Johnson, with you know Dan Quinn, with whoever else that Washington is going to interview. And I think if he's like as real deal as everyone says, who's talked to him, he's going to interview extraordinarily well, and he's going to be head coach somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I knew Bobby, he was 23. You know what I mean? Like, it's been a while since. And so seeing Bobby's kind of meteoric rise feels like, you know what I mean? Like, I know he's been slogging through the NFL. He worked at PFF for a little bit. Like, um, it's pretty fantastic. But, like, let's get back to the scheme real quick. And so obviously it's Kyle's offense, you know. But I do think it's important to know that like when you watch when I watch this game and when I watch Houston over the course of the season, like CJ Stroud's impact on that team cannot be overstated. Like the first third down they have, like there's a free runner to the quarterback. He sits in there, finds Nico Collins for a big play. Great job. Next drive, the next big play they have almost plays exactly the same way. So, you know, like talking about guys elevating offenses and the X's and O's are are big elevators. And I love how they don't leverage the offensive line, but ultimately you got to get guys to go out and make plays, you know. And I think like we talked about that a lot here with Sam Howell, you know, and Sam Howell, like how early in the season he was elevating the offense, making plays. 
Um, and this is what Stroud's done for them. You know, and when you hear D'Amico Ryan's talk after the game about how much they lean on him, how much they rely on him, like it just shows you the importance of that position. So as much as Bobby is doing tremendous stuff and like you love the sequence of play, and it's again, like they're not doing anything unique. You know, there are teams that run similar concepts. Like you watch similar concepts, similar execution, but it's the players that come to life. And again, it goes back to something we talked about with the GM stuff. Like Nico Collins develops into a true one. Right in free agency, they identify Dalton Schultz, and he comes in and has been very productive for them. Brevin Jordan, the guy that they drafted in the fifth round three years ago, has an explosive play for them on a nothing play. Like talk about scheme, it's just a keeper. He's the flat control. You get the ball to him, and that's what happens when you have playmakers at different levels and the quarterback elevates. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I think Bobby deserves a lot of credit, and I think Bobby deserves probably credit in this area more than anywhere else is the fact he was able to teach this stuff in a yes. year is the thing that is really definitively. Oh, so exciting. it can be done. Yeah, I guess so, right? And again, like they have the quarterback in place, right? They have yes. they have that that ultimate piece. And I don't think anybody thought CJ Stroud was going to be this, but man, like he does some really spectacular stuff. And he's not he's not always on rhythm, he's not always on time, but there is a playmaking ability there that is that's pretty exciting, I think. And and so it's it's the scheme, it's the fact that it was taught so well, like you see guys buying into this scheme and then the elevation of the offense through young guys developing, but specifically CJ Stroud's kind of embracing this offense and and like the drive and the hunger to be great, I guess, is pretty yeah. exciting. So one thing that stuck with me from the Reception Perception podcast that we did um, a couple of weeks ago is how um, you know Matt talked about uh, you gotta you gotta put guys where they're great, and they you know they when it's, he tracks it, it's like Nico Collins great outbreaking routes Tank Dell yeah. great inbreaking routes and like yeah. they have those guys run the routes that they're good at and like that right. understanding of personnel I think is something that speaks really well to Slowick um, and obviously the development of the young quarterback and the ability whatever input he had on selecting him in the first place um, I think is obviously uh, pretty good because they you know they took a risk in making the trade with Arizona to take both him and Will Anderson um, but also to your point like uh, Orlovsky had a great line Monday on ESPN. He's like, I don't know how many dudes right now are better in the league than CJ Stroud, but yeah. it's less than his jersey number. And he wears yeah. seven. So we're talking about a top seven quarterback easily in the NFL as a rookie. Um, that's That matters a lot. But, he, you know, it, it's about, to me, the thing that I've thought about a lot too recently with like Belichick and Brady, for instance, as Belichick's career, you know, comes, or at least his run in New England comes to an end. We'll see if his career comes to an end. Um but like it's so important for a coach and a quarterback to find their muse like mm. the idea that like a quarterback or a coach is just great no matter what yeah. is like there are guys that that are right like Peyton Manning was going to be great pretty much wherever he went like he was just one of the most special prospects to ever play in the 105 year history of the league um you know 66 got a huge arm the smartest guy to ever ever strap it up right um, but he finds like a great muse for this back half of his career in Denver with Adam Gase yeah. and Gase actually can't really work with anybody else, but that doesn't mean he wasn't good with Peyton. Right. Um, you know, Belichick and Brady, I think were perfect for each other. I don't think either man is nearly as successful without the other. Um, would they both have won? Maybe they're both great, but they were perfect together because they complemented each other so well. And I think that's what we're going to find out over these next couple of years. We're like, Slowick and Stroud, the perfect muses for each other. Are they both like just dudes at their jobs? And 
I'm pretty sure Stroud's a dude and he's going to be just fine with whatever offensive coordinator, um, especially because I think D'Amico is going to be smart enough to find someone else off the Kyle tree and try yeah. to you know keep some continuity there when he loses Slowick as a head coach. But I think what we're going to find out is like, can Slowick do it without Stroud? And obviously a head coach is a different job than an offensive coordinator anyway, so there's that. But um, that idea of like, is it the perfect fit or are they both independently just phenomenal? Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a great question. And again, like you got to give Sloak some credit, like for getting it installed. And you know, yeah. they don't leverage him a ton. Like they, they they lean on him a lot, but they do a good job of saying, like, hey, like, hey, we're gonna run. We've run three keepers. Now we're gonna run Jolt, right? We're gonna run Dalton Schultz on that. You know, looks like a corner. Then he runs the post. Easy throw. Protection's easy for the O line. Great time to call that play. We're in kind of that high strike zone area. Great job, you know, and I think like that's the thing. And like they've done a good job of manufacturing big explosive plays. And and that's that is a huge element to what they're doing really well. And that's schematic. That's an offensive identity yeah. thing, you know, and they they run 40. I think they ran 45 offensive plays and, you know, like they find all these explosives. They run the ball relatively effectively. Like there's something to that, right? There's something to saying, hey, man, we need you to be great on. 20% of these offensive plays and he right. does and he does he did a great job of that you know well so. and to Slowick's credit too like he realizes how special Stroud is and so there's like there's one play uh that I and maybe it is Jolt um but there's one play that I remember one of the analysts talking about where it's kind of a play action uh and typically they have the guy so like play action you boot out to the right and typically you have uh the tight end run or the slot receiver a corner run yeah. a corner it's, and it's the play. We're they the run a play. Yeah. Yeah, instead, because and the reason is because you want to have the the receiver run to the side where the quarterback is because it's a shorter and thus easier throw. Well, they right. know Stroud's got arm strength for days, so they haven't run a corner post. The safety's always jumped the corner, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's going back to the post, and Stroud has the arm strength to get it over the top. That's design. That's understanding yeah. your playmakers. That's understanding that if uh, if Case Keenum's got to get in the game, you're probably not calling that, uh, right. but you can call it for for CJ Stroud. Uh, when your starter's in. So there, there's little things like that in terms of using your personnel that I think Slowick already shows obviously a great feel for. And, um, you know, that's a heck of a job by Houston. And no matter what happens to them next weekend, because um, they're going into Baltimore and good luck with it's that. It's going to be tough. Um, be tough. You know, good luck with that. But they've already had so far and away a better season than anyone anticipated, maybe even including them. Uh, but if not, anybody but them thought. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Dolphins and Chiefs. I feel so bad for the Dolphins uh, yeah. because they are just going to get trashed by national media. And it's already started. They're soft. Dol- Miami can't go in the cold. Uh, they fell apart in December again. And it's like they did fall apart, literally. They are yeah. so banged up. Like this is mm-hmm. not the same team that it was in October, November. And to pretend otherwise is to be disingenuous to me. And I don't know how much more I take out of this game than that. Like the Dolphins are understaffed by a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a crazy statistic, and it was uh, what was it? It was three and five, which is um, Drew Brees' road record 
right in the playoffs and then it was two and five which is peyton manning's road record in the playoffs right and those are precision timing offenses led by both those guys and that's what you want right you want offenses that are led in a very high level way by the best player on the field miami is a precision timing offense and so i think the 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 takeaway i have after watching that game is you don't want to play road games in the playoffs and they had an opportunity playing the bills the last game of the season um to kind of make sure that they were in a position to play that game at home because that's where they're built to play they want to play in a warm environment and there's nothing wrong with that like that team structure i just mentioned two players who are hall of fame caliber players that we're not good on the road in their whole playoff yeah. career. One of the best and they, quarterbacks they played, ever. Yeah, they played in domes. domes. Uh, or I guess Peyton in Denver, but yeah. But you know what I'm saying? like that, And yeah. I think there's something to that. Like when you are a precision timing offense with a quarterback who doesn't have a cannon for an arm, which is a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, this is going to be the result. I also think, you know, you get so much from that Miami offense elevation in terms of scheme and the run game. Sometimes I, th- I think after watching that Detroit game, sometimes you just got to line up put your, put your mouthpiece in and be like, Hey, we're going to beat you. And I think that's something that is, again, we'll talk about that when we get to the Detroit game, but it's, you can't overvalue that kind of physical identity. You can't always find the perfect angles. You can't always find the perfect setup um, to to maximize. And I think they do lean on that quite a bit. Um, Miami does. And rightfully so they got, they got the playmakers in the scheme to get that done. But that was, that was the thing I took away is like, this is, this is, they're not built. Most teams are not built to play in weather games like this. And I think it's a credit to Andy Reid to kind of always keeping the ability to run the football in the bag. You know, you always got to have it. You always got to be able to do it at a high level. Kudos to Isaiah Pachenko. Like the way he runs is perfect for that. Just violent right. as hell. And no one wants to tackle him and make that game feel like it's negative 100 because he's running so hard. So, yeah. And you always get playoff Pat too, who runs more. He only had two carries in the game, but he has that big 28 yard scamper. Sure. Uh, the other one's a 13 yarder. Um, you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire has seven carries and a, a three yard average, but you just, you know, they ran it 34 times. Yeah. Um, now, granted, they threw it 41. Uh, they ran a billion plays. But um, the other thing I think you take away is like the Chiefs are a real contender still, but it's because they have it's different. one of the best defenses in the league. Like they're so good on that side of the ball. They're physical. Um, the Tyree Kill getting jammed by Legarius Sneed where he doesn't even get off the line. And then yeah. uh, Tyreek uh, quote-tweeting it after saying he jammed my ass to Cancun. Um, pretty funny. Um, but, it, like, that's who they are. Um, yeah. And it's Chris Jones and company up front. They've got dudes who play hard as hell on the back end. Their linebackers are solid. They're just a good, they're just a good defensive football team. And I think, like, I'm glad you brought the defense up. Lots of young pieces that have developed there yes. outside of Chris Jones. The secondary, I've heard that defense is really hard to learn. They've got the coaches in place, and we're always trying to bring it back to the commanders, right? They've right. got good coaching that have developed and coached this scheme up to maximize the guys they got in the back end, right? And I think that's so important. It's like you can't rely on the big free agent splash. you got to develop guys. And right. I think that defense is a perfect understanding of developing guys. And look at look at the, the leading receiver, I think, for Kansas City is a rookie. Right. Yeah. Rashi like, Rice. Yeah. Like getting a rookie player in there to make plays for you. It's, it's a big deal. And I think you're seeing you saw it with Houston. You're seeing it with uh, with Kansas City. One of the kind of the perennial powerhouses is youth development on a roster. And it's, um, you know, and you think of Spags over the years, by the way, like think about what he did internally with the guys he developed in New York back in the yeah, day. Right. The OCU is Justin right. Tucks, like those guys were all in house. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we didn't even mention, uh, gosh, uh, the, the linebacker for Houston who had the two pick sixes. Like he was a guy, a developmental linebacker. 
that has now developed and he's making a ton of plays for you. So it, it just it shows you just how important if you want to make a playoff contending team, it's not just talent acquisition, it's talent development and then teaching that talent how to execute in that scheme, which I think is uh, Kansas City's defense is the perfect model for that. Yeah, talking about Christian Harris had the Thank had you, one Christian of the, the pick sixes, and Stephen Nelson had the other one, there uh, the go. DB. But I think Harris was like had the pressure on that play or something he like that. Yeah, sack. Yeah, he, he, yeah. like he had a great game. But again, yeah, a developmental sure. guy that no one was sure how he'd pan out. But you get D'Amico Ryan's with him and, and a good defensive staff, and you get something better. Which I think, again, in the context of the Commanders, this GM hire is a big deal, right? Adam yeah. Peters is a big deal, but it's it's the ne- the next couple of hires are going to be huge. So of course, uh, and, and, and sorry to get you off, but Scott Pioli yeah. on that when he called in said understanding that it's the coach's team is something that you see here as well too so for sure um same thing in green bay by the way um Mm. they realize that matt lafleur is that dude and he has built uh incredible incredible team um 48 32 the final score um Dallas just Dak was awful early yeah. in this game. The defense was awful early in this game. And really the defense never got better. Dak got a lot better. Dak's second half was pretty impressive, actually. Um yeah. it's not gonna help him in terms of the narrative case, nor is it gonna help the fifty-nine million dollar cap hit that he is uh, set to incur for them next season. And they'll I'm sure try to work on a restructure or something. Um, but McCarthy's job up in the air for sure. Um, I think part of the reason it was up in the air is because Jerry Jones really doesn't want to lose Dan Quinn to be a head coach somewhere else. Mm. Now it's like, well, do we want to really replace Mike McCarthy uh, with Dan Quinn, whose defense just gave up 48 points in a playoff game? Yeah. Um, that's a yikes, man. What did you see in this one? So I think the thing that stuck out to me just rewatching it this morning was just you know, how good love was. And again, so love, good. love in specific situations. And again, he sat for a year. He developed, we, we're going to say this word at nauseum, got to develop yeah. guys. Right. But a couple of their biggest plays early in the game are off schedule. Him just buying a little time. This, this vaunted pass rush of the Dallas Cowboys wins. He buys a little time, makes the guy miss bits, a huge, huge completion on third down. That's two consecutive third downs. He does that on. So uh, obviously there's the X's and O's there's the, you know, this Kyle Shanahan offense that I think Matt LaFleur does an excellent job of executing, right? But it's also getting those guys, like the Jimmys and Joes, right? It's so important. And they talk about developing young talent. They are two rookie They're the youngest team in the league. Two rookie tight ends, young receivers. Like all of them are under like 23 years old. It's crazy to look at. Insulating the offensive line, leaning on Aaron Jones when you have to. Great job. And then defensively, just again, they have young pieces that have stepped up in the playoff game and give credit to who you want there. Um, but I, I think I think when you look at these and the other thing about that, that Green Bay team is there were a lot of different targets. There's a lot of different targets in the Houston game. There's a lot of different targets offensively that they can go to. And when you compare that to the Dallas Cowboys, right, with CeeDee Lamb, who is a little bit off, right? That connection, which has been so good for them, is a little bit off early in the game. And all of a sudden the offense looks terrible, you know, like lean on other people. And I think that's what not having a true, a true one in Green Bay forced Jordan Love to do a little bit was like, hey, I got to distribute the ball. And in this game, it was extremely important and extremely powerful because it, it led to a very productive offensive day for them. So, yeah. Do you think that was it for McCarthy and Dallas? Slash, I don't know. Let me even ask you. Let me ask you this. This is a better question. Would you like they've won 12 games three straight years and can't win in the playoffs to me i'm like i'd rather take my chances with someone who's consistently winning 12 games i think right. i think the team was better this year than they were in the previous couple of years i think mccarthy unlocked dak at a new level 
they got to figure out the playoff thing, but I would not, I would not move on. I would try yeah. to be like, you know what? We're going to play the continuity game here um, and some stability. But Jerry Jones is an IRA. Very different people. <laughs> you know, I, I'd probably agree with that. I think those 12 wins are really hard to come by. I just think it's also, this is where like having a, a GM and coach conversation would be really important to me. Like, and so what I mean by that is when you look at when Dak's not going well, like, can you run the ball? And yeah. they can't, right? They, what are your other options? And I think, you know, Detroit, LA, there were moments in that game where Matthew Stafford, despite his greatness, um, struggling and they ran the ball really effectively, right? Same thing with Detroit, right? Same thing with Houston. All these games where Green Bay ran the ball when they had to run the ball and having that as a piece of your identity, right? And so, like, I heard something on a podcast uh, yesterday uh, talking about how, like, not having that kind of bruising, imposing Zeke Elliott type runner negatively affects them offensively. And I think kind of saying, hey, is there somebody we can bring in? You know, maybe it's Derrick Henry that lets us stay efficient. Yeah when we got to have it um, it's a conversation that again, the GM and the coach have to have and say like, this is an area where we're weak. We have to kind of prepare for these contingencies, but I do agree. Mike McCarthy seems like the guy that you would bet on. It's hard to win 12 games in the NFL. Now you got to win playoff games, but I think like th this is a personnel Jimmy's and Joe's talent development situation again for them where they don't have anybody outside of CD lamb. Really? They, they have people on the roster but no one that Dak felt comfortable going to, obviously Ferguson late in that game. But yeah. um, but I think I think that's something I would look at is like how what are some other ways we can win football games if Dak's not playing at an MVP caliber level? Right. Um, I do think though, if they do move on, Belichick becomes real interesting. There. Oh, like that I is bet. one of the that is one of the fits where I'm actually like, no, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Because uh, the roster is built, um, and right. you know, obviously that's been the problem for Belichick the last couple of years. Yeah.